Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, joining me here is my co-host, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wired. Jay, good to be back here with you for another episode, another jam-packed episode. We have some really interesting topics to discuss here uh, this week. So, yeah, it's good to good to see you. And how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm good, man. Can't complain. Uh, we're, we're easing on closer to training camp so you know we're doing better by the week you know at least football fans are I mean, and the finals have been entertaining even though i haven't seen all of uh the games what i have seen has been pretty entertaining so um yeah man glad to be back man as always man appreciate our uh, loyal listeners and you know even the casual listeners as well for uh rating commenting subscribing and, uh, you know, all of the above. So, yeah, glad to be back, man. And uh, got another rather interesting episode that just kind of popped up out of the blue for us in terms of uh, what we'll be talking about. Yeah, we're going to get to all of that here in just a moment. Before we do, as Jay mentioned, we thank you guys so much for listening and supporting the show. We really, really appreciate it. Those of you that have gone out of your way to leave those five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, those help so much. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you have not yet and you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving that five-star review. It's one of the best ways you can help support the show. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can, of course, find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast library. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And of course, make sure you keep up with the Jaguars wire.usatoday.com to keep up with all of your Jacksonville Jaguars news. And then last but not least, we have to thank this week's sponsor, of course, Bet Online. July is underway and a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you can find it. From the NBA and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and features, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And Jay, you alluded to it there just a moment ago as far as the NBA Finals. I mean, we're just now coming off a of Game 4. We're recording here on a Thursday evening. And man, I don't know if you saw, even if you didn't get to watch that game, I know you saw that Giannis block. But I mean, I, I don't even know how many athletes in the world that could pull off what Giannis did last night. It was insane. Yeah, I missed yesterday's game, but I uh, looked at his stats. I also saw the uh, highlights. I've seen the block, but I've only seen it in, like, I don't know if you've seen that viral tweet that's going around where it's in, like, super slow motion. Uh, so you can kind of see the distance he traveled to make that block. But uh, nonetheless, man, like, he, he's been pretty impressive, man. I, I would know from watching him. 
uh, playing the previous series against my Hawks, you know, and just uh, proving to the world, man, that he's he's one of the goats in the league right now, man, and he's the future of the NBA. Yeah, and I'm really happy for him. Honestly, whatever comes of this series, whether Chris Paul or Giannis gets a ring, you know, I'll be happy. Chris Paul maybe deserves it a little bit more just because of his longevity and how long he's been around. But, you know, Giannis has been taking all that criticism over the last few years, especially, you know, the Bucks specifically with not being able to, you know, advance in the playoffs. But lo and behold, here they are in the NBA Finals. The other thing I want to discuss before we move on to our primary topics, Jay, I want to discuss the poll we put out last week. We did. Um, if, uh, if you missed last week's episode, of course, make sure you go back and check it out. But we talked about some possible surprise cuts um, when the roster is trimmed down to 53. And we put that poll out over on our Twitter page. Jay, I'm not sure if you saw the final results. Uh, we got about 80 votes. Philip Dorsett led the way with 49 percent of the votes. A.J. Can was second with 24 percent. Jared Wilson with 19 percent and 8 percent said other. Uh, so that's how that panned out. Any surprises there, Jay? Or do you think Philip Dorsett was, was probably going to be the front runner all along? Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was a chance that Can could be a front runner as well. But then again, like it kind of goes back to what we were saying about uh, Urban Meyer liking the offensive line. So maybe people considered that. Um, at the same time, again, like we said, also uh, Philip Dorsett is a hand-picked, or at least it feels like he's a hand-picked uh, receiver by Urban Meyer for this unit. Uh so I mean like I'm I'm at the same time I'm not surprised though that he was the guy that uh got first place. Um but I wouldn't have also been shocked if it was canned. As for Gerard Wilson though, you know, I, I pretty much expected him to be in last place. Um I'm curious to know like about the other though, the people that however many people it was that put other in terms of like who they think will be a surprise cut. I don't know. Like I, some people will go as far as saying like Tebow because he's got the relationship with Urban Meyer and all of that. So maybe that's what some people were thinking. But um, I guess we'll say that for another time. I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, if you would, you know, if you were one of the people that put other or you're one of the people that feel like another player that we didn't mention would be a surprise cut, feel free to um, let us know on social media at the Believe in Jags podcast handle. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't know if this is true or not, but I guess Philip Dorsett wasn't invited up to the creek there in South Carolina. So I don't know if he got left out. You know, we only saw Marvin Jones, DJ Chark and LaVisca up there hanging out with with Trevor Lawrence, putting that extra work in. <laughs> yeah, he uh, for some reason, I don't know, maybe he maybe he stayed in Florida or whatever the case may be. I think he's a Florida kid. I don't know if I'm not mistaken. He might be, but. Yeah, I don't know, man, why he didn't get invited. Maybe it was just exclusive to the top three receivers, you know. Maybe it was one of those deals. And you know who else I'm surprised that wasn't there also, though? I wanted to personally see, and I'm joking, by the way, y'all, but I wanted to see Tim Tebow catch some passes on that Clemson field as well. (laughs) Hey, man, I mean, he didn't get invited to the tight end camp, you know, so who knows what he's out there doing. I'm kind of surprised Travis Etienne wasn't with with them. But uh, yeah, you know, it was it was really cool to see. I know a lot of Jaguar fans, just like myself, really just enjoyed seeing these guys, you know, getting together and not only uh, you know, not only putting in that extra work on the field, but also enjoying themselves off the field. You know, and this is their time, of course, and they don't have to be super serious all the time. I like the idea of Trevor Lawrence, who, of course, is going to be the appointed leader of the team bringing in these guys that he knows he's going to have to have chemistry with and just saying, Hey, come on up to where I'm from. You know, I'll show you guys a good time, but of course we'll also 
do some uh, do some work and get familiar with each other. So I just really love seeing that. Yeah, and right, like also, isn't like the you know doing the things off the football field together? Isn't that a part of team building too? Right, building that bond and building that trust and building that relationship, especially exactly. when you're building you know a, a relationship. In this case, with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, you're hanging out with the three guys that you're that are probably going to be your number one, two, and three receivers uh, in terms of statistics and the depth charts. So, you know, like, you know, I never understood that whole thing of like, oh, they should be on the practice field practicing together. Like, what you want to see in general is, it, of course, you want to see that, but you also want to see these guys hanging out, hanging out off of the field as well, because that's a part of team building as well. Shaquille Griffin even said it. Like, he's like, if you guys are you know, in town or nearby me or whatever the case may be, hit me up if you want to work out and, you know, do some bonding and some team building, you know, during this uh, whole time while while we are off or whatever the case may be. So nonetheless, man, like it's just a good thing to see. It gives you a really, really positive outlook. You know, and we haven't had a lot of that going on in Jacksonville, but when you see this, you know, it just like for me, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but like, I was like, oh man, yeah, we, we're going to a Super Bowl one day. It's probably not this year, but <laughs> we're going, we're going to the Super Bowl in in the next four years or so, uh, if they keep this up. And it gives more of an opportunity for Jihad Ward to roast his teammates. If you guys are not following Jihad Ward on social media, you you need to you need to do yourself a favor immediately because he's out here just roasting his teammates, and it's it's absolutely hilarious. So we'll take we'll take more of that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I want to be the first because you've named one of our text threads this. I would like to be one of the first people to say that this podcast is a full fledged endorsee of the Jihad Ward fan club. All right. So <laughs> we're going to claim that right now. You know, it used to be yelled yeah, this and is actually, be- this- Go yeah, ahead. This is actually believe in Jihad Ward now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to be yelled and hive and we still haven't figured out who we're going to replace the hive part with uh in terms of a player but we are endorsers of the jihad ward fan club we're the starters of it actually and anything related to jihad ward and being a fan of jihad uh jihad ward now has to go through us in this podcast so um holler at us anybody if y'all want to build us a site on that and we can get that pop 100 percent. well jay let's get into our primary topics here for this week that are unfortunately a little bit less fun and uh, the first one here is we, t- we have to talk about the news about Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke that came out yesterday. Uh, so both Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke were issued subpoenas for a lawsuit involving former Iowa Hawkeye strength coach Chris Doyle, who, of course, was here very, very briefly. Uh, the subpoenas came from the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Iowa, which is looking to collect information on Doyle's hiring and resignation with the Jags in February. Subpoenas came as the Iowa Hawkeyes are dealing with a $20 million racial discrimination civil lawsuit filled by the lawyers of multiple black players. These players say that Doyle and others were behind racial incidents that led to a, quote, racially hostile environment. Of course, when Doyle was hired, there was a ton of backlash, not only here, you know, locally, Jay, but also in mainstream media. The Jaguars did issue a statement through their public relations department stating that their brief employment of Doyle, which was in February, had nothing to do with the Iowa lawsuit. It said, quote, we will respect and will cooperate with the legal process as required. However, the Jaguars have no information that would be relevant to the lawsuit between student athletes and the University of Iowa. 
Now, of course, Doyle's hiring was announced on February 10th, and then two days later on the 12th, he had resigned. I remember that day still very vaguely, Jay, because, of course, it's the beginning of February, not a whole lot going on, and we get an email from the Jacksonville Jaguars at, like, midnight. It was it was an interesting time. So when this news came up here, Jay, you know, we were a little bit confused, of, of course, because he wasn't really here long enough to to make that much of an impact at all, at least specifically in our locker room. So, you know, we definitely support these players in this in this fight that they're going to be going through. But, you know, what do you think that they're going to be looking for in terms of when they speak to Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke? That's the question I've been trying to figure out in terms of like, what are they getting at here? I don't know if like because I look, admittedly, we're not legal experts. Uh, you know, maybe we should get somebody on who is. Um, of that field, you know, some uh, Mike Florio type, you know, that that's been in the legal field before. But um, I, I think I guess, you know, just how I gather it and read it and I could be wrong is, you know, they are looking for. Um, and, and like you said, Phil, when you were uh, reading it off, he wasn't here that long, but maybe they're looking for uh, any racial related incidents that might have happened with the Jaguars. Uh, that they could use as evidence uh, towards the Iowa case, maybe. Uh, but he wasn't here long enough, so I don't know, like, what's the point in that. And maybe that's what the Jaguars are saying in their statement. Like, uh, we don't have anything relevant that could help that case in terms of evidence or whatever the case may be. So, like, for me, that's how I gather it personally. Um, if it's somebody out there that's listening, that's um, on the legal side of things, that can maybe explain it even more feel free to let us know again on our podcast handle in the comments, whatever the case may be. Uh, but for me, and I don't know about you, Phil, but that's kind of what I see this as. And um, if that's the case, I don't think the Jaguars could help that case all that much. And like you said, yeah, while we, we do definitely support what those young men are trying to do over there with that case and what, what happened with them. I think it was seven to eight players, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, you know, and, and fighting that battle uh, to get justice. So that being said, man, like I, I, I hope that uh, they get their due, whatever that is. I think you said what, $20 million was the lawsuit. Uh, but I just don't know that any evidence is going to come from the Jags in. Yeah, and it's just a story that you just want to go away, right? We talked about this last week when we were discussing Urban Meyer's fines along with the team's fines. And it's just a story you don't really want to talk about anymore. But of course, now with this coming up, you know, here we are. And, you know, honestly, it feels kind of like this is what you get when I'm, I'm talking about uh, talking to Urban Meyer here in this situation. This is what you get when you don't do your due diligence or claim to be unaware of anything in terms of Chris Doyle's past. This is what happens. And now you're finding yourself, both him and Trent Baalke, now you're finding yourselves in a situation that even though you may not think it has anything to do with you, you put yourself in the line of sight when it comes to this story and this particular person in terms of you know any atrocities he may have committed in the past. So I don't necessarily feel bad for either one of them but i'm also you know a little uh, i'm also just curious as to why they were brought in since he was barely here for a cup of coffee like you said yeah as we said man like that whole situation was one that was despicable you know when we were reading about it and you know the the fact that they even you know that urban meyer even brought him in and i know he's this guy that he just wants to bring in anybody that can help win regardless of their past 
And that don't even apply just for Chris Doyle. You know, like it wouldn't be surprising to see him bringing in uh, somebody who has a criminal past, whatever the case may be. But as long as Urban Meyer think you can help him win, uh, he'll try and bring you in. And that, you know what I'm saying? That was always the issue. That was one of the things we were pointing out as well before we even got Urban Meyer and we were looking towards getting him. That was one of the things we pointed out. And like you said, like we can't, I don't even feel sorry for him because this is just kind of what comes with it. But at the same time, like with Trent Baalke, again, like I was saying in the podcast in the past, yeah, he's the GM, but if Shad Khan's telling us that this is a coach-centric team, you know, like I can't help but wonder like how much of this was Balky's doing, you know, like even if Balky said no, he didn't have a choice because Urban Meyer is really the head honcho, you know what I'm saying, like in terms of that. So, I mean, like really to me, like it more so falls on Urban Meyer. I don't know if Trent Balky spoke up and said like, hey, this is something that we definitely shouldn't do or whatever the case may be. Uh, but yeah, this this one for me, like a bulk of it for sure. Fall. And and Kashad Khan too, because it's his team as well. And he can always tell Urban Meyer, no, we're not doing that. Uh, but yeah, like I feel like it's mostly Urban in this situation. And, um, you know, like this is just what's going to come with the territory. As we said last week, I'm not going to be surprised if in the middle of the season, something else pops up, you know, from Urban Meyer's past. Like that's just what we're going to have to condition ourselves to be just kind of uh, expecting the unexpected at random moments with, uh, you know, when you deal with a coach that has his past. And again, this is going to, you know, cause a lot of stir because Urban Meyer is so new here. And then, of course, with it being his first NFL job and, you know, of course, because of his checkered past. So here we are. This is what a lot of or some fans at least wanted. And again, we, we I feel like it's getting to the point now where we're saying this almost every time something comes up with Urban is like, this is what you get when you bring in a high pro a high profile coach with the type of pass that Urban Meyer has. So you either take it or you leave it. Who knows what will happen? Uh, you know, who maybe will be in a position where Urban, you know, will just get burnt out again. And after, you know, who knows what else is going to happen? Like you said this year, Jay, I'm sure we're not done talking about controversial things when it comes to Urban Meyer. And maybe he'll learn pretty quick that it's not necessarily as uh, easy to sweep under the rug or run away from in the NFL. Who knows what will happen? Of course, we know he's going to be tied to the success of not only the team, but specifically Trevor Lawrence and hoping that, you know, all this stuff kind of just goes away. But it does seem to be piling up one thing after another. I, I do also think that it doesn't help, Jay, that we are in the off season and there's not really a whole lot going on as opposed to if this were to happen during the regular season, you know, we would have a game to prepare for or a game to look forward to. So it's obviously amplified about that uh, because of that. Am, am I correct? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also, you you know, like we've got this beef going on with Jeff uh, Jets Twitter, right? So like soon as this news came out, it was more fuel for them saying, Hey, I told you so. Like he's not going to be there all that long. And like, you know, you hired, uh, a, a criminal and this that and the others so it gave them some fuel and that just, again like all of this is the type of stuff that you basically get right when it's the off season as you said and people are looking for stuff to do or, or excuse me looking for things to cover in the nfl uh but you know things are about to ramp up thankfully and get busier for us and as you said you know hopefully these kind of things are just like there, hopefully, we always say hopefully, but you never know what Urban Meyer. Hopefully, these type things are over with, and uh, hopefully, this situation is well too, uh, with um, the subpoenas get uh, taken care of as well. Because I think 
uh, they were supposed to respond or answer to the subpoena by uh, like the 12th of this month or the 10th of this month or something like that. So um, I don't know what happened after that point. I don't and I don't know, like, why is the story now if we're past the deadline for it? But uh, I guess time will tell what comes of that situation. Yeah, and of course, we will continue to monitor that over on the Jaguars Wire and, of course, over on Twitter. So make sure you follow all of our social media and we'll make sure to keep you up to date with any new developments. But, Jay, let's get into our primary story here this week. And that is in regards to former Jacksonville Jaguar Jalen Ramsey. Maybe you guys have heard of him. He was here for a little bit. He joined Aqib Talib on the Catch and Fades podcast. And really quick, before we start this, Jay, I do just want to give a shout out to Aqib Talib. I don't know how long he's been doing this podcast, but it really seems like he is on his way to being one of the next just stellar former players turned NFL broadcasters. I only got a chance to catch him a couple times last season, but he's awesome at this, and I'm excited to hear more from him. Yeah, he's always been kind of a a guy that people like to be around in the locker room, you know, kind of like life of the party i can remember seeing pro bowl videos of him uh talking smack to Jalen ramsey about who has the best cornerback duo i think this was in uh like 2017 or this was uh when uh talib might have been with the broncos i think or he might have been with the chargers no he never played for the chargers it might have been the broncos uh, but I digress from my point. But, yeah, man, like you could tell, like, even when he was in the league that he he would be a guy that was that would flourish in, in terms of the media realm. And, uh, you know, they're also the the on the field incidents that he entertained people with, too. Everybody remember the infamous. I think it was Crabtree. He snatched Crabtree's chain and everybody was like going crazy about that situation. And like he was a guy that never backed down from a fight either on the field either. So. I mean, like, I, I'm interested to listen to future episodes because he's had some good guests on there. And, uh, yeah, like, they're doing some good things over there uh, with the network that he's with, which is, um, interestingly enough, one of the newer networks, and they're producing some good content. Well, and, of course, you know, he had Jalen Ramsey on, so with that discussion came, uh, you know, a look into Jalen's time here with the Jaguars. And we all know by now how that panned out and I know a lot of fans are still pretty upset with how things went down and you know what Jay they have every right to be okay I think a lot of us I know you and me included had the idea that Jalen was going to kind of be this franchise cornerstone that was really going to turn help turn this franchise around and we saw a glimpse of it too I think that's another reason why Jalen's exit hurts fans so much is because we got a tiny glimpse of what could have been you know of course in 2017 and then, you know, the rest is history. But, you know, we, we're going to put aside some of our fan biases for this discussion. And we hope that you can, too, because there's a lot of really, really good stuff in this interview. I highly suggest that you guys go, go and check it out. You can find it on YouTube or on podcast streaming apps. And, of course, he's talking about, uh, you know, uh, his, his first season and then the second year when they brought in Tom Coughlin. And that's where I want to start out, Jay, because he mentioned something. That, of course, we've heard quite a bit. It's that the players in the locker room did not like Tom Coughlin. And Jalen mentions that, you know, they came off a really bad year, of course, in 2016. So they bring Tom Coughlin in and he's just going to kind of do the complete opposite of what was being done before. And Jalen's talking about, you know, specific rules and ways to carry themselves. Like he mentioned that Tom Coughlin wanted them to wear white socks specifically, which I found very odd, but also very Tom Coughlin. 
And Jalen mentioned that they essentially, as far as 2017 goes, they basically did that for themselves. They weren't doing it for and, and for Doug Marone. They weren't doing it for Dave Caldwell. They weren't doing it for Tom Coughlin. They were doing it because they knew they had something special and they wanted to go out and prove it on the field. So let's start there, Jay, when we when he brought up the Tom Coughlin stuff. You know, what did you think? I don't think either one of us were really surprised. We're pretty much at this point, of course, know how the Tom Coughlin regime went the second time around, of course, that I'm referring to. So, you know, what were your thoughts when Jalen starts talking about how the locker room just did not respond to TC very well? Yeah, man. Well, for one, and I, I can recall, I think T-Wig talked about this on uh, like last year or year before on his podcast. And he was um, speaking on like how it felt like the military-like setting, which Jalen Ramsey was alluding to here, the military-like setting that Tom Coughlin built, uh, which is unnecessary and kind of felt like um, for the most part was kind of for show or maybe, uh, you know, you're just, you're just trying to get force your will on players. And we all know, like, in this day and age, like it probably helps to be more so a player's coach and a player's um, organization than, you know, the opposite, like under Coughlin and trying to be this, like, stern, strict, disciplinarian type of, uh, I guess, organization. We see, we saw where that all went and how it got him fired and how it caused uh, friction between the front office and, and the players. And that's not to say, like, you should be an organization that necessarily is uh, completely giving in to the players or whatever the case may be. You just got to kind of find that balance. And, uh, you know, we, we were just talking about Urban Meyer, right? And, uh, you know, all of the scandals and stuff that he comes with. Well, the good part about getting a guy like Urban Meyer, and this is what helps him, and this is why he could be very successful in the NFL, he's kind of mastered that psychology part of it. It's like, hey, yeah, we are going to work. Me and you talked about this last week. We're going to work you guys hard. And, you know, things aren't going to be necessarily easy in, in spring camp and, and summer and what have you and OTAs, mini camp and training camp. It's not going to necessarily be uh, easy. But at the same time, we are going to give you guys everything you need, all of the facilities you need that's coming in a year or two. Um, for now, Urban Meyer has brought all of the things they need in terms of medical attention and you know, whatever the case may be, cryogenic chambers, whatever they need. He's brought that to the facility. Miles Jack has talked about this. This is something Josh Allen has talked about and others have talked about. And that caused a a upbeat, you know, that 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 uh brings about a upbeat organization, which we see in practice. These guys are working hard. Joe Cullen's over there telling Taven Bryant he's playing patty cake with the with uh, with, with the uh, dummy machines or whatever the case may be right <laughs> but they they still these guys still have smiles on their faces they're still uh, working hard at the same time and they're still enjoying what they do um, and and at the end of the day after practice is over they don't have to go to some foreign facility or facility outside of uh, TIAA Bankville or in another city whatever the case may be Urban Meyer has for the most part brought that to them. And, uh, you know, that's one part that I think I don't take for granted in terms of getting Urban Meyer. You know, like he has his flaws and stuff, but that's one thing that he does bring to the table that I think can really get the organization going in the right uh, direction. But, yeah, all of that military discipline and all of that stern stuff and uh, the stuff with the socks and all of that, like like Jalen and like kind of T-Wig was talking about on his podcast, all of that stuff felt extra 
and unnecessary. You know, like why? Like Jalen said, this was one of his literally one of his quotes. What does it matter what color socks I'm wearing? You know, like uh, why can't you know they wear this color visor or they can't wear orange sleeves or armbands or all of that? Like I mean, like personally. Uh, if anything, it kind of helps like to just kind of let players do their own thing in terms of how they want to dress on the field. And I mean, we have always had this setting, uh, this saying, at least, you know, when I used to play in high school, you know, you look good, you play good. You know, it was the old Deion Sanders saying, right. I mean, you, you go out there feeling like a million bucks, you might play like a million bucks. But uh, I guess that's neither here or neither there. But uh, that just really proves the point and really shows that Tom Coughlin is not really suited for the modern day NFL. And if you look at all of the teams that have had success around the league and are having success or, or, or even ascending and getting to the point where they could have success, uh, they weren't organizations built around that military like model. Yeah. And again, and this isn't necessarily bringing anything super new to light, right? We kind of, we didn't have maybe some of these specifics, but we always wondered, Hey, is this really Doug Marone's team or is Tom Coughlin? really going to have, you know, the final word on everything, even when it comes to some of the stuff on the field. I find it interesting, you know, and Jalen actually used these words too. He he compared it to his to his time there at Florida State when they had a, an absolutely stellar team. So Jay, can you speak on that a little bit? And I know this is going to be a little bit hard to talk about for Jaguar fans because we could feel it. The fans could feel it. And even the team could feel that they had something special. So, you know, looking back on it now, even though they had that dysfunction, you know, what could, as a former player, do you kind of know and have a feeling when, hey, they, we, we got something special here. We can do some things. And then for, for that just to not pan out, even though they had the talent in place. Yeah, yeah. I think that hurt a lot to know what they had and the talent in place and like how it just went down the drain so quickly at that and in terms of the success that they were able to have in 2017 uh, like you said that is remarkable that they were able to put aside the differences with the front office and kind of just you know I guess you could say kind of wall the front office off and focus on doing what needed to be done on the field because typically you know you don't see organizations uh, having the wherewithal to do that and I mean, eventually it caught up, you know, like they, they weren't going to be able to function like that forever. You know, they weren't going to be able to function um, in a situation where there was no good relationship with the front office, because what you get is while you are performing on the field and doing what needs to be done on the field and having success on the field, uh, you get to a point where the front office isn't rewarding you for that. And we saw a little bit of that, like Dave Caldwell, who, you know, I've praised for uh, some of his draft selections. And, and this is, you know, part of the reason why he's fired. And, you know, I'm not mad that he's fired, but he was never able to hold on to the talent that he drafted. And we'll kind of get into that later with another story. Uh, but that being said, like, of, of organizations simply can't function like that for too long. It worked for one year. Uh, but it all starts at the top at ownership they brought Tom Coughlin into this situation. They were the first to blame. And then the front office get their share of blame too for not, as I said, not having the best relationships with the players. You can't function that way. Not rewarding players for their contract. Jalen Ramsey even said it himself 
uh, a year before he played on the fifth year option, he told David Mulligetta, his agent, like, you know, at least let's see if we can start the talks early in terms of getting me my, you know, my new contract, my extension, my new mega deal. The Jaguars flat out shut him down. You know, meanwhile, it doesn't help that meanwhile you go out there and you pay Nick Foles a 70 million, 80 million dollar contract, whatever it was. And he goes out there and looks like complete crap. You know, that doesn't sit well with players. And that, you know, that's why this thing all eventually crumbled or, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's it's now behind us. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the, the cons have really learned a lot from this situation. And uh, hopefully they, they get it done right this time around with Urban Meyer, who they're trying to do a coach-centric uh, model now, where it's not a front office running the show. It's the coach running the show. It's the Bill Belichick model with the Patriots, essentially. We'll see if that works. But in the credit of the cons, while they screwed this up tremendously, now they're trying something differently, and maybe it could work. We'll see. Yeah, and we'll talk about the last few weeks, of course, of Jalen's time here. Uh, that was, of course, the Nick Foles year. We're going to talk to that. talk about that in just a moment. I, I want to talk about, of course, you know, him and uh, Akib were talking, uh, were d- discussing, you know, they felt like, they were really one piece away. And that's when, of course, we get to the Blake Bortles of it all. And, you know, one thing that really, really hurt my heart, Jay, and, you know, we've told this story before about you and I being in Dallas for the draft that year, the 2018 draft. And, you know, the Jaguars pick comes up and Lamar Jackson is, of course, still on the board. And the Jaguars go with Taven Bryan and just how disappointed we were. And, you know, Jalen didn't even remember his, I don't know if it was on purpose or, or he was just being disrespectful, but he said they just selected a, a defensive lineman, which was cool. But, you know, of course, at the time, they didn't necessarily need help on the D line. You know, he mentioned Saxonville specifically, of course. And the fact that even they were in the mindset of, hey, Lamar Jackson is there. That's all we need is to fulfill this quarterback position and we have something special here really just hurt my heart not only because of course we were huge advocates of bring them bringing in Lamar Jackson but of course even even the players know and they were very aware of the limitations of Blake Bortles and how that might affect the success of the team yeah well first to to um answer what you said about you know you don't know if he knew (laughs) David Bryant I think he did because if you could recall in that draft when Brian was selected, Jalen Ramsey was in the green room. I guess he was visiting for like a teammate. It might have been Duran James or a former teammate he was with or whatever the case may be. But he went and shook Taven Bryan's hand. Oh, yeah, because that was the night. Yeah, that was the night where he was photographed with the Chargers hat on and everyone freaked out. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Now now you're really bringing up some memories. Uh, but, yeah, in, in terms of. Which is uh, wild because he ended up in L.A. <laughs> right. Yeah, he actually did. But uh, in terms of the other part uh, that you mentioned, which uh, the missed opportunity with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, we've told like you said, we told that story of me cussing out loud in the, the restaurant and you being upset as well. And then what have you. But, you know, like, again, that just goes to show you like that's what happens when you have the wrong people at the top. You know, here you have an opportunity. And that's what always puzzled me about this situation. Here you have a opportunity if you're Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell. And, you know, now looking at it in hindsight, I'm glad it didn't work out because we would have never been able to get Trevor Lawrence. But I look at it, you know, this way as if Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin had the opportunity 
to, you know, admit a mistake that Blake Bortles was. And I don't I don't necessarily know that Shotcom would have uh, been mad about it or would have looked at it funny or whatever the case may be. But I highly doubt Shotcom would have been mad with them taking Lamar Jackson, uh, especially getting him with that kind of value. Uh, but again, you know, Tom Coughlin hung on to Blake Bortles, which is just the most ridiculous and baffling thing I've ever that that's really happened in Jaguars history, especially when looking at how Tom Coughlin used to so-called be a offensive uh, guru and, and somebody who wants a quarterback that's a natural thrower of the football. You know, it just baffled me that. You know, they didn't get Lamar Jackson. At the same time, it didn't baffle me. And it, the reason it didn't baffle me is because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come out and say it, African-American quarterbacks, especially, you know, ones that were athletic like Lamar Jackson, people critique them for their throwing ability. And I don't know if that's what was happening with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but if it is, shame on them because look at Lamar Jackson now and he's a, a, a nice threat as a thrower and a passer. Now, look, he's not perfect by any means, but, look, he's getting his team to the playoffs routinely, and that could have been the Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, Blake Bortles, you know, they had a chance. What I'm getting at here is they had a chance to move on from Blake Bortles and admit a mistake, and if they would have done that, they still could – both of those people could still be here. And, I'm again, I'm glad they're not because we got a new regime. We have uh, Trevor Lawrence now, and I like the direction we're going now more so than then. Uh, but they could still be here. They could have had more than a good run in 2017 had they gotten Lamar Jackson. But that's what happens when you're stubborn and set in your own ways and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think uh, somebody put it out there that what they might have been trying to do is to uh, get off of Malik Jackson's big time contract by getting Taven Bryant. Well, that's fine and dandy and everything. But at the end of the day, the quarterback position is the most important position in football, probably the most important position in sports. And for you to, you know, not value it to that capacity, I can see why Jalen Ramsey and the rest of the team were mad because Lamar Jackson certainly could have had some success, especially with them already having defensive pieces in place, just like the situation he went to in Baltimore. And let's be fair here as well when we're talking about Jalen and the team because he talked about how they they understood they're like, okay, they're going to put their faith in Blake, even though we know we have an idea of what his limitations are, they're still talking about, at least this is what he's saying, they're talking about instilling confidence in him and, and saying that they believe in him and you know all that. And we remember, of course, how 2018 started out. We got off to a great start, 4-0, you beat the Patriots, and then, of course, the wheels fall off. But give credit where credit is due as far as, you know, and, and, and again, this is all coming from, from the source, which is Jalen Ramsey in this instance, but they're still saying, you know, we are we're going to back you because you are our quarterback. But also that was the year and they talked about it later in that specific segment of they didn't do Blake any favors, of course, because he played like Blake and they're pulling him out and they're bringing him back in. And I'm, I'm trying to remember who the quarterback was, who the backup was that they kept, um, you know, re replacing him with pulling him in and out of. But uh, I, I can't remember. Go ahead, Jay. Uh, I can't remember either. My, was it Kessler or Henny or something? No, nah, Henny was gone. It might have been Kessler. It might have been, been Kessler, Kessler yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, what what did you say before that? It was something I was going to chime in on. Uh, I was just saying, you know, give credit to the team and to Jalen for at least trying to instill that confidence in Blake and understanding, you know, that, okay, well, this is our guy and we're going to, we're going to, of course, going to back him because he's our teammate. 
Right, and that part of what uh, you know Jalen said is believable too in terms of the Jaguars and the defense trying to instill confidence in Blake because I can re- recall a story where A.J. Boye, who also went to UCF, he might even play it with Blake at UCF. Uh, but I can recall, you know, the story I wrote about it, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, Boye was constantly one of the guys, one of the veteran leaders who was trying to instill confidence in Blake and he even, if I can recall, he gave him this motivational book that helped with like motivational, psychological, uh, your approach on the field in terms of all of that stuff. And I remember that. So like, yeah, this all sounds like familiar stuff that we spoke on before and good for them for trying to, you know, even though they felt like they could have done better, they're good for them for trying to instill confidence in, in Blake Bortles and, and trying to get him to play better. But hey. At the end of the day, you know, Dave Caldwell and, and Tom Coughlin, again, Dave Caldwell is somebody I've praised, but one thing I have not praised him for and one thing I've critiqued him for heavily and deservedly said that he probably should have been fired for was, again, they held on to Blake Bortles when they could have admitted a mistake, saved their careers, and they didn't jump on that opportunity. And then, like you said, they had the three-game or four-game stretch where they won, uh, beat the Patriots, and the wheels fell off. And, hey, look, that's what you get. Exactly. So, you know, we're not going to dwell on that time uh, for uh, longer than we need to because, of course, we know how it went. And then they went on to bring in, you know, Nick Foles, and then we had the Gardner Minshew year. And, of course, that's when everything really, really went to hell between the relationship between the Jaguars and Jalen Ramsey. And one thing he mentioned specifically, I think this was also in the 2018 season. So this was before the trade request. He has a bad game in Indianapolis, uh, the worst game of his career, as he states. And then uh, the the report comes out that the Jaguars could possibly field room or field trade requests for Jalen in the off season. So, you know, just the timing of that. And he talks about it, him and Akib talk about it. You know, that comes from somewhere. It, it doesn't just manifest itself and, you know, create its own rumor that comes from somewhere. And Jay, maybe you can speak, speak on that a little bit later, but you know, that was kind of uh, he, he kind of remembers that the, the team tells him, no, that did not come from us. You know, that don't, don't believe any of that. But of course, Jalen remember, you know, stating he'll remember that. And then we go into, uh, we go into 2019 and this is where things kind of start, uh, of course, begin to start falling apart. Now we all remember the sideline incident, there in in Houston, you know, one story that I had not heard is a story that he talked about how they were talk they were trying to decide whether or not to go for it and win the game or tie the game and go into overtime. And uh, Jay, I remember this game very very well because I I don't know how you felt at the time, but I definitely wanted them to just you know go for the tie and try and win this thing in, in overtime. That's apparently how the defense felt as well. Of course, you have Gardner Minshew in his second ever game, first start of his NFL career. And, you know, it goes the way that it goes. The story that I had not heard before is what caused this sideline outburst is Jalen believed that, I, I believe it was DeAndre Hopkins, did not catch a ball, and he wanted Doug Marone to challenge the play. And Doug Marone immediately shut it down, said, no, he caught it, you know, and of course, that didn't make Jalen very happy. And then later on in the game, Doug challenges a pass interference against D.D. Westbrook. And from what I gather, Jalen's thought process is how are you going to challenge that, which is a play that typically isn't turned over or overturned, I should say. 
and won't listen to me when I tell you, you, you know, DeAndre didn't catch this ball. So we'll get into the rest of it here in just a moment, Jay. But, you know, where where do you think, especially a guy like Jalen, who is, well, let's just be honest, he is a he is a, a big fish in a small pond here in Jacksonville, not only because of his play, but also because of his personality. So what does that say when, you know, your head coach isn't listening to the face of the franchise, the star player? Well, I say this is it's a little harder to listen to the franchise player when he's not a quarterback. Right. So like yeah, it's been a quarterback, um, you know, maybe yeah, you're more willing yeah. to, to listen to a quarterback in uh, in Doug's defense. But uh, what Jalen said is, you know, he felt like uh, he got his well, he's, and then he didn't feel like he said, I got my hand in there and I broke it up and I felt it hit the ground or something, something to that magnitude. Um, I'm paraphrasing here. And uh, Doug didn't challenge it, and I guess they they couldn't get to it quick enough in the replay booth or whatever. But you know, Jalen was just upset that like, hey, it's like, look, man, like this is a situation where you need to trust me because especially the, what was at stake is, um, I think the team would have had to punt the ball or they would have been on fourth down or whatever the case may be. And if Texas eventually turned that into at least three points, if I can recall. So, I mean, like, that's kind of a hard one to make a call on. Like, if you're the coach and don't see it yourself, at the same time, I guess you should trust your players. Uh, but, I mean, you would like to have some video evidence on that before you, you throw the flag. Now, I, where I do agree is, like, you know, don't challenge the pass interference stuff. Because we know the statistics against that. So, yeah, I'm with Jalen on that. It's unlikely that's going to get overturned, if anything. So, I guess his point was, like, you know, of the two scenarios, you definitely should have at least challenged the scenario that I was referring to where I told you I literally felt the ground, the, the ball hit the ground or I knocked it out and it hit the ground as opposed to something that's, like, got a 90% rate of not being overturned. And, yeah, that could be frustrating. Um, when you know it's already I think what it was too though Phil is it was already a, a a snowball of things that had led up to that point even before that game you know Jalen Ramsey couldn't get his contract which is something he spoke on and we we've already talked about um, before that Tom Coughlin nobody liked him and he was trying to enforce this military like school like setting so like that to me like what it probably boiled down to is more like it was a culmination of things that just just kind of ticked Jalen off to that point and then on top of that I got a, a coach that doesn't trust me so that didn't help as well but you know maybe if the atmosphere was better uh you know that before that moment then that moment where Doug Marone didn't challenge Nook Hopkins catch maybe it's not as intense and not that big of a deal if you know it wasn't things leading up into that point that I already had the team kind of ticked off and riled up yeah and of course he has that you know now infamous outbreak on the field with Doug Marone and uh, you know I'm trying to go back to that time here Jay and of course it wasn't a you know the best time to be a fan and somebody and talking about me here specifically someone who supported Jalen who believed that he should be you know treated with the the respect that I you know at least to at least a little bit more because of his status here in Jacksonville I just talked about big fish small pond kind of thing but and, you know, he mentions that in the show as well. You know, he, I, I think he knew his worth and good for any player that is, you know, aware of that. But so here's what happened next. And this is, of course, all according to Jalen. Now, when you listen to it, you can leave it up for interpretation. You can believe him. You can choose to not believe him. That's not our job to convince you one way or the other. But after the game, 
they uh, they ask Jalen to uh, to come up to uh, to an office. And I believe, Jay, if I'm not uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he believed it was only going to be Tony and Shot Khan, correct? Correct, because it was Tony Khan that came up to Jalen after the game and said, um, you know, we want to meet with you. And I'm not sure if Tony said me and my father want to meet with you, but he could have. Um, but even if he didn't, it just looks like Jalen was led to believe it was just going to be the cons. Right. So and I'm going to paraphrase some of this here, but a, a lot of this is transcribed directly from the conversation he had with Akeem Talib. So uh, they took me in an office and I get in the office and it's Tony, Shad, Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell. Uh, it's four of them in there. And then it's just me. And they were uh, standing in a semicircle all looking at me. Uh, so, you know, he says he's hot now because he told me it was just going to be you and Pops, which, of course, referring to Shad and Tony Khan. Uh, now I'm in here with more than ownership. And Shad started to speak first, stated he was very respectful. Uh, you know, Jalen, uh, we got a lot of respect for your game, all of that. Are you and Doug going to be good? You know, we don't want anything going on between a key player and a head coach. Stated that they were fine, you know, just part of the game. Went on to say Tony Khan was also very respectful. Again, continuing possibly some of the things that his father was saying. Basically repeated what his dad said, kept it moving. You know, we think you guys should talk before anybody talks to the media, referring to asking, to, you know, for Jalen and Doug to talk. Um, just make sure you're good and stated that maybe you need to apologize. And Jalen said respectfully, I'm not about to apologize to him. That's part of the game. Emotions get high. We might get into it. There's no beef going on between us. Me and coach good. We've always been good. So, you know, when we get up to this point in the conversation, Jay, and everything seems to be fine, right? This is where every uh, and then. Uh, all of a sudden, this is where everything just kind of takes a very sharp left, according to Jalen. So next, Dave Caldwell, who was the GM at the time, took total opposite approach. I guess they were playing good cop, bad cop. He took the total opposite approach. He started cussing and started uh, trying to cuss me out like, you need to apologize with an expletive in there. So I hit him with a surprise look and said, no, that ain't happening. And then he said something else. Forgot exactly what he said. You know how when you're in shock, sometimes you give a little laugh like he's crazy. So I give him a little grin and he's like, oh, this is funny to you. And I started shaking my head and he was like, well, you know, get the expletive out. And he opened the door and I just walked out laughing a little and he slammed the door behind me. So again, Jay, you know, what? this is up for an interpretation. It's coming straight from from the source here. And you and I talked about it beforehand. You know, what do we think? Do we believe? that this story happened and you and I came to the conclusion that yes, I do believe that Dave Caldwell probably handled this totally incorrectly. And all of this kind of led of course to Jalen eventually asking for that trade or requesting that trade. So, you know, when you hear the story coming from Jalen, you know, what's your first reaction? I remember you sent this my way and I, I remember just kind of being in awe uh, hearing these specific details from from Dave Caldwell yeah yeah we both were in awe because I was of the belief for the most part that Dave Caldwell you know like we don't see what's going on behind the scenes but you know I was of the belief that for the most part or you know as, as much as AGM is supposed to be he was a professional so for us me and you to say like we believe this you know what I'm saying this kind of goes against like what we <laughs> what we kind of believe Dave Caldwell to be uh but nonetheless we still are taking Jalen's word on this in terms of us. I can't speak for nobody else uh, because I don't think Jalen would just, you know, 
go out of the blue with something like this. And I mean, he had gave us bits and pieces of this story before. He just on on the Catch and Fades podcast, he just filled in the blank. Remember, like he was saying somebody disrespected him in the meeting and he walked out. He was saying that at first. He said it on ESPN uh, when the situation happened. I think that was after like, you know, the, the week he got traded to the Rams or whatever the case may be. We just never knew who it was. And, you know, a lot of people assumed that it was Tom Coughlin because Tom Coughlin is Tom Coughlin and they didn't like him clearly. And he just, you know, he had a, he just had this thing out for the younger crowd. It feels like at least. But come to find out. It was actually Dave Caldwell. And if that's the case, man, like all the more why he should have been fired. And to be honest with you, if you're Tony Khan and Shot Khan and this indeed did happen and you see this, uh, you know, it makes you wonder why they didn't fire him sooner. Dave Caldwell went through a, a whole nother year with this team after that point and a half a year. Well, that was just week two. So he, he went almost two years after that point with the team. Um, but then again, you know, maybe it was to the point where Shad Khan knew that Dave Caldwell was a lame duck and he was going to end up firing him anyway. So that, that might've been why he kept him until they got the salary cap. Right. But you know, like when you see stuff like this and your ownership, you know, it kind of makes you wonder like, you know, why let that go and not, uh, you know, hold him accountable to some degree, not even necessarily fire him, but hold Dave Caldwell accountable to some degree. And, and it's another thing I want to say about this is like Dave Caldwell, when he got the job and he still was relatively young to be a GM. When he got the job, he was probably one of the youngest GMs, if not the youngest GM in football. And you would think like a GM that young, you would think uh, would be more catered towards the players, you know, like because he's around their age and, uh, you know, that's just the newer model. That's the new school model as opposed to the old school model where we draft you guys and you guys basically follow our way. You know, we follow our culture, whatever the case may be. You would think Dave Caldwell being a younger GM would be more of a meet me in the middle type of GM. And this kind of just shows if it's true that he was a, a mini version of Tom Coughlin or when Tom Coughlin got there, he became a mini version of Tom Coughlin. And it's, that's not to say like, you know, Jalen's, hand is completely clean in this situation either um in terms of you know his his time with the jaguars as well uh but you know at the same time like regardless you don't you can't talk to players like that if you dave caldwell you know because you know if Jalen that gets out to the rest of the players and and even if it don't get out to the rest of the players and you you talk to play other players like that you're not going to be able to build the franchise correctly you know and that just kind of goes that's just another thing to add on to them not taking care of players financially, and now you talk to them any kind of way, if this indeed did happen, of course this crumbled down if that was all, all of this stuff was going down. Um, so that being said, like, hopefully, you know what I'm saying? Like now, again, we're moving on from that point. You know, hopefully Balky is not that type of a guy. And, you know, Urban Meyer clearly is, and I don't think at least um, from how the players have come off about him. So, you know, it looks like Shad Khan took in and soaked in that moment. And even though they didn't fire Dave Caldwell at that moment, they remember that moment and were like, we're going the total opposite of him and Tom Coughlin whenever we uh, we rebuild this thing. And uh, that's where we are now, where, you know, it's kind of a different setup, a way different setup, um, as the cons could have probably very well been taking notes from that moment on. And again, if this is the account of, you know, what actually happened, I don't know that we'll ever get Dave Caldwell's side of the story. Who who knows? 
But it's also very interesting timing because, you know, you're coming off the season of, uh, you know, the disappointing season in 2018 after having that great run. You are now, just like you said, Jay, they had been, Jalen had requested some sort of, you know, at least extension talks. It doesn't happen. So they bring in Nick Foles. We're a week removed from Nick Foles getting hurt, you know, basically on his very first drive. And then you come out and you have a, you know, a defense that's pretty upset because Doug Marone went for two at the end of the game. And for him to react that way, for for Dave to react this way is just totally baffling. You know, read the room. If you want to have a conversation, whether it be Jalen or any player, if you want to have a conversation about, hey, you, you can't talk to your coach like that. You can't do that in a public light. Fine. But don't do it right then and there. Let everybody involved maybe calm down. You know, Jay, you know, we're, you and I are both adults and we've had moments where we've said things that we, maybe we shouldn't have said, but we said it because in the heat of the moment, we weren't thinking straight. So why not let the dust settle on what happened? It's obviously going to be a story. You know, there have already been the rumors, of course, that maybe they would consider trading Jalen. And then now this happens. So just the timing of it and, of course, the way that it was handled just completely, completely wrong and just continues to shed light on the dysfunction that was the Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin era. And, you know, it, it kind of hurts a little bit. I, I really wish I still to this day, and I don't know how many other fans feel this way. I still wish to this day that Jalen had had was still here, you know, and, you know, we uh, aside from some of the things, some of the off field things that, um, you know, we won't get into right here and maybe some of his attitude. Jay, I know you have famously talked about Jalen's attitude towards the media at some points, but it's still just looking back at that team and looking back at the type of talent that Jalen is. It still hurts a little bit that he did not end up being a Jaguar, at least for most of his career. Yeah, well, it's funny you bring up the the whole respect towards the media thing, too. And, I mean, this is non-football related, but, um, you know, the first thing that came to my mind, too, while Caldwell was dead wrong, and you don't talk to players like that, and you sh- he should have been, you know, probably uh, fired or spoke to on the spot for that, you know. But I do feel like, you know, that might have been karma for Jalen Ramsey at the same time, because, you know, you hear this thing about respect and one to be respected and, you know, Jalen goes out and, you know, tweets the former reporter for, uh, I think the athletic or the Florida times union, or he might've been with both, but Jalen goes out and he goes and tweets this young man and tell him like, you know, you messed up, right. Or whatever the case may be, you know, like that into most, you know, depending on who you ask, that's disrespectful as well. You know, so maybe that's, you know, that's just karma falling on him as well. Like, it takes respect to get respect sometimes. Again, not condoning what Dave Caldwell did because it was completely wrong. And, you know, me personally, if if a GM speak to me like that, uh, yeah, like, it, I'm not going to take it well either. And you probably aren't either. And that's a that's a high, high thing in my personal moral compass is, like, that's probably number one is speak to people with respect. And Dave Caldwell did not do that. Um, but at the same time, like, I felt like I saw times where Jalen kind of didn't do that to the media as well. You know, that, that example that I use uh, is one of them. And, and another part of this thing is like, for me, I feel like when Jalen came into that office with Doug, or excuse me, not Doug, uh, and Doug wasn't even there. That's the crazy part about it. Doug Marone, the person who was involved with the altercation wasn't there. 
all of this is going on behind his back or not necessarily behind his back, but it's going on, uh, you know, uh, while he's not even there to speak on it. But another thing that I feel like with this particular incident, when they called him in the office, when they called Jalen in the office is that Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin shouldn't have been there. Like they, they shouldn't have any mingling or any doings with uh, player personnel in terms of Doug Marone's team. If anybody, it should have been Shad Khan and Tony Khan speaking with Jalen Ramsey there about that incident, while Tom Coughlin, who Tony Khan and Shad Khan gave the power to, by the way, uh, he shouldn't have been there. That's something that he doesn't have to have his hand in. That's not his field. It's only Coach Doug Marone's field to address that incident that happened on the field between him and Jalen Ramsey, and maybe ownership because they own the team and they don't want any friction between their coaches and their players. Dave Caldwell, Tom Coughlin shouldn't have even been there. That's where they messed up at in the first place. Anyway, if you were going to have a meeting like that anyway, so that, that, that's, that falls on ownership again for even allowing Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin to be there. And this is what it escalated to. Dave Caldwell flies off at the handles. Uh, Tom Coughlin from what Jalen was saying, didn't say much or nothing. He kind of just, stare Jalen down or whatever the case may be try to intimidate him according to Jalen at least but you know that's what happens when you let two people that shouldn't be in on these type of affairs in on those type of affairs so again it just makes you happy that we've moved on from that point and maybe looking at it in hindsight again maybe it's good that we lost Jalen Ramsey because again like I feel like if we don't if we have Jalen Ramsey on this team we're probably not in position to get Trevor Lawrence. So it kind of worked out in the end. Uh, but at the same time, like he was a great player that, you know, if you're a good franchise, uh, you shouldn't get to this point with one of your better players. Albeit, you know, at times, you know, like, again, his hands weren't exactly clean. He was a little difficult himself. Yeah, I 100% agree. Why, what purpose did, you know, having Dave and, and Tom in there, serve because if if you're entrusting and Doug Marone of course to be in charge here and you know to handle things on the field level then let them hash it out let them work it out you know it, it seemed like Tony and Shad went about it in a way that you know hey we're just trying to make sure that we don't have to you know deal with this in in, in the press here um no, any more than we have to. Everybody saw it. Everyone's going to be talking about it. So yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, again, this story is up for your interpretation. Did it happen exactly this way? Probably not. However, for the most part, I do believe this is what went down. And I think we all also have an understanding, Jay, that it wasn't just one thing. It was a multitude of things that were mishandled from bringing in Tom Coughlin from not taking the quarterback when you were probably just a quarterback away from mishandling, you know, guys that were, uh, you know, supposed to be franchise guys. And, you know, we won't even talk about uh, Yannick Ngakwe and all that stuff as well. Bringing in a quarterback and Nick Foles that, you know, overpaying a guy and Nick Foles that just wasn't going to be the savior that you thought he was. So it's not just necessarily they yelled at me in an office in Houston, Texas. It was a combination of a whole lot of things and ultimately led us to where we are here today. Like we've talked about Jay while we've are during this episode, hopefully they have learned from their mistakes and they are not going to approach things 
in that manner going forward. So was there any other, were there any other takeaways from this interview uh, with Jalen or this podcast appearance that you wanted to discuss before we get out of here for the week? No, nah, that was pretty much it. Even though it was a lot to digest in that podcast, surprisingly, like I didn't, like I was saying in the beginning of this podcast, I didn't necessarily go looking for that. I think somebody put it on the Jaguars hashtag or something like that. And I'm founding that. I was like, dude, this is uh premier content to discuss. You know, this is a, a another podcast on our part that we could discuss or articles or whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that episode. And uh, like I said, uh, soon enough, we'll be able to talk about people that's actually on the team now because training camp is about to come up. And, uh, yeah, we can have more conversations about the present as opposed to the past. Absolutely. I know I'm looking forward to that. I know you're looking forward to that. And I know the listeners and the fans are looking forward to that. Uh, but again, I would definitely highly suggest listening to this episode with Jalen Ramsey, if anything, because Aqib Talib is a uh, is, is great at what he does. And um, also, I just put up a poll over on our Twitter page. Uh, Jay, I'll just uh, I don't, I don't want to get too far into it here. You can give me just a yes or no answer. I just put up a poll over on Twitter. Would you trade Trevor Lawrence for a Super Bowl in 2017? Yes or no, before we get out of here? No, because Trevor Lawrence is going to lead us to a Super Bowl. So, no, he is the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. I also answered no, if, in case you guys were wondering. But right now, we've only got six votes because I just posted it like five minutes ago. But two people have said yes. <laughs> so that'll be a conversation I guess we'll have maybe next week once once the results for the um, uh, for that poll come in. So, uh, Jay, again, that's a pretty much a wrap on another great episode here. Uh, you know, always fun when these topics present themselves to have the discussions about this franchise that we love so much. They hurt us. They've hurt us for decades now, but we for a couple of decades now, but we just keep coming back to them like <laughs> like a bad relationship uh, because we believe that eventually they will turn things around and, and be better for us. Right. <laughs> but uh, anything else you want to let people know to look forward to uh, here on the podcast or also over on the Jaguars wire? Yeah, I think the good thing, by the way, Phil, the good thing about it is covering it from a journalism perspective. It helps turn some of the feelings off, you know, but the day I don't cover the Jags as a <laughs> journalist anymore and I'm a fan again, I don't know if I'm going to exactly like that moment, you know, unless they're winning, you know, that makes it easier, of course. But yeah, in terms of what we got to look forward to, man, is, you know, like we just got articles that's just pre uh, preparing people for training camp. Um, still haven't got those uh, last rookie signed up set for Trevor Lawrence since uh, ETN left uh, Campbell, Tyson Campbell, that is. And also Walker Little will be looking for that news, which I mean, again, we expect that to get done. I mean, that hardly ever do you see these situations linger aside from I think it was what Joey Bosa like five years ago. But aside from that, you don't really see that happen in the modern CBA and, uh, yeah, man, like, we just do a lot of training camp previews, um, trying to work on some guests as well. Uh, me and Phil have already put together our guest list for the season. Um, maybe we should probably do a preseason list as well to kind of make things more interesting. But we'll work on that in the meantime. And, um, yeah, man, glad to be a part of another good episode. Absolutely, folks. Well, that is where we will leave you for this week. Again, for those of you that have been listening for a while, thank you so much. We could not do this without you. If you're enjoying the show, please consider. And if you're enjoying the show and listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving that five-star review that we mentioned. You can also find us, again, on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. 
also at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the amazing Believe Podcast library. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. Find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is at Sports Grind underscore Dawn. This has been Believe in the Jaguars presented by Bet Online. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but also, and more importantly, believe in yourselves. We will see you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.